guys come on up for a second. Uh, we have been, I have been feverishly, prayerfully on the hunt for um, some, some folks to come and, and help us out even more uh, as well. And in that hunt, one of the great things that we really saw we needed for our church staffing was administration. Uh, while I, I can add and subtract, I don't think I could really organize myself out of a box, to be honest with you. And so Matt here is, uh, he is a tactical strategist when it comes to organization. And uh, Matt and I, we, I've known the Ingalls for about 10 years now. They moved down from Washington uh, to be with us and to help us. And we've just brought Matt on staff halftime uh, to do administration, bookkeeping, a whole bunch of stuff. And his official title will be pastoral assistant because there's kind of a lot of different doodads and stuff that will be involved in that. So I'd like you to Welcome them for me, if you could. Christina. Christina is quite organized as well, and so it would be a toss-up as to who is more. Uh, But Christina is also a very gifted worship leader, and uh, hopefully this year, uh, hopefully very soon, hopefully next week, (laughs) we will see Christina uh, leading worship. Uh, She's uh, been doing it again for a long time and is a wonderful worship leader, so Let's do it one more time. Thanks, you guys, for coming. Matt and Christina. And they are married. It's been kind of a joke. You know, there's a few people they think is Matt's wife and a few people they think is Christina's husband. That's the couple. So, uh, <laughs> Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this morning. And Lord, as we open the word of God, I pray just for a fresh touch of your spirit. God, that, that, that the excitement of this ancient language would come alive for us once again and that we would be open to be taught, open to receive, and open to be filled with the Holy Spirit afresh. In Jesus' name, amen. I have a girl hair on me somewhere. It's quite long. I think I got it. All right. (laughs) This morning, if you want to open your Bibles, we're turning to Matthew chapter 5, verse 33. If you do not have one, it will be on the screen. But we have been, uh, beginning last year and continuing through this year, going through the Gospel of Matthew. And our series title has been Jesus Up Close and Personal. And this morning, we're going to be talking about the fact that God wants to make your words powerful. And he has a passage here that speaks to that. I want to open with a little bit of a story. You know, I remember when I was back in junior high, very awkward years for me. In fact, for who, for who junior high wasn't an awkward time for you? I mean, you were like, it really wasn't. Mike, come on, man. <laughs> I don't know. You know, seventh grade, it's just all awkward. You know, things are changing and everything's changing. And, 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 and I wasn't quite sure how it happened, but I, I kind of developed a crush on a girl named Wendy. And, you know, it, I, I realized that I had this crush because whenever she came around, I began to act absolutely stupid. So, <laughs> in fact, uh, my wife can vouch for this, that how stupid I act when I like a girl. Uh, when, when her and I were dating and, and I had a, was crushing big time, we're walking on the beach and I literally tripped over my own feet and fell face forward into a dead crab. And, 
but I was putting on the knacky effect. So I <laughs> that was part of it, the sympathy vote. <laughs> so here I am in junior high, and, and of course, people begin to notice. I think in junior high, you really begin to notice. And so I had another girl who came up and said, I, I got to know, do you like Wendy? And the first time I, I'd ever, like, been tempted to, like, share something like that, you know? So I'm, like, heaving and hawing, and I don't know. Maybe I like her, maybe I don't. I don't want to tell you. Please go away. And so finally I said, well, honesty is always your best friend, right? And so I told her the truth. I said, man, I like her. I am crushing on her big time. I said, but you cannot tell anybody. You cannot tell. I would be so embarrassed. And she's like, I will not tell anybody. How did it end? She told everybody. <laughs> you know, I laugh about it now, but back when it happened, I was devastated. I felt betrayed. I felt, I, 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 I felt a pain. You know, as, as a kid, I, I got beat up a lot partially because of where I lived. But as I grew into junior high, you know, the pain of a physical fight was nothing compared to that pain of betrayal, that pain of losing someone's trust. And it would change my life forever and teach me a huge lesson that people don't always do what they say. You ever get that? How many of you have ever been disappointed with a parent because that parent said, I promise I will be at the game. I promise I will be at the recital. I promise I will show up at the school. And then they didn't. How many of you have maybe made that mistake? How many of you have been disappointed with a spouse? Honey, I promise I won't forget next year. How many of you have borrowed something from a friend and you said you'd give it back and then you moved and realized in one of the boxes, oh, this is the book that belongs to Johnny I was looking for. How many of you have a credit card debt? And remember, when we take on a debt, there's an implied uh, statement that we will pay it back. How many of you ever had a debt that you didn't pay it back? How many of you, I think all of us, have made New Year's resolutions we haven't kept? The big one I get in church a lot is how many of you have ever heard this? God told me to do this. And you think to yourself, whoa, God told them to do that. But then over the course of days or weeks or months, you realize not only are they not doing that, but when you ask them about it, God has all of a sudden changed his mind. Oh, I thought God was telling me to do that, but now he's telling me to do this. And about every so often, there's a new thing that God's telling that person to do. But what you're left with is, I don't know if I can believe that God says anything to you at all. Because he constantly seems to be changing his mind. Psalm 15, verse 4, says that a righteous man keeps his oaths even when it hurts. It often begins... When we say, I promise, I promise, I promise I will be there for you. I promise I will do this for you. I promise this, what I'm saying is true. 
And then when promise isn't enough, we kind of up it a little. I swear. I swear it's true. Give me a Bible. Find me a Bible. I'll swear on it right now. And then we up it even more. I will give you my mother's diamond pearls. Anyway. <laughs> if what I am saying is not true, you know? And then, of course, finally, the, the last kind of line of defense is, if this is not true, I will let you bring harm to me. You can beat me up. You can slap me in the face. You can break my legs. You know, you know there's this kind of progression where at the end of it, we're really admitting something, aren't we? That that other person is not sure if our word alone is good. We're getting a lot of that these days. For some reason, this year, this election season, I have been following more of the, of the debates than ever before. Obviously, they're Republican because the, the Democrat already has their person. So watching these debates... And at my age, I'm old enough where I can remember so many things said. And yet when the person gets in office, it either never, never happens, changes, or just gets forgotten. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, we call it making good on campaign promises. I've heard like 10 to 15 promises come out of a person's mouth. And I think to myself, now in four years, can you really accomplish 10 to 15 major things like that? In my lifetime, I've seen presidents hopefully tackle maybe two, three, or four. And yet, you hear all these things kind of come out. And I don't know about you, but I'm beginning to, it's beginning to go past me. I almost don't even want to hear what they say. I just want to look at them and say, is that a man I can trust or not? When I look into their eyes, can I trust them to lead our country or not? Because politics being politics, I don't know if I can believe a word any of them say. Amen? Now, if there's any of you here who work in the government or anything like that, <laughs> I'm not trying to slam, so please don't take it that way. <laughs> but this is a huge issue for God, that our words would carry great power. God is very concerned about what comes out of your mouth, not only for our reputation, but also for his. Let's go to verse 33, and Matthew says, Again, you have heard that it was said to people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not even swear by your own head, for you cannot even make one of your hairs white or black. This was before modern coloring. <laughs> All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. And of course, for those of you familiar with the actual original Greek and the original text, that last line actually reads what? Let your yes be yes and let your no be no. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. The Jewish leaders, they, they kind of came up with a plan for this. They basically said, if you swear to God, you got to do it. But if you swear by anything else, it's not binding. 
So you had people running around saying, I swear by Jerusalem. I swear by the earth. I swear by heaven. And they'd come to the Jewish leaders and say, I made an oath, and he swore by heaven that he would do this. And the leaders would say, well, the oath's not binding because he didn't swear to God. Jesus is seeing the hypocrisy in this, and he's saying, no, 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 that's not the way it works. The way it works is your word should be good no matter what. Instead of looking for loopholes as to how to get out of what we say, we should be asking God for strength to fulfill what we have said. I suppose he may also have the third commandment in mind. The third commandment reads in Exodus chapter 20, you must not misuse the name of the Lord your God for you'll be punished if you misuse his name. Leviticus 19.12 kind of brings further light on it where it says, do not bring shame on the name of God by swearing to it falsely. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. God wants to empower your words so that they carry authority and respect. When I was on a riffing crew, one of the riffers was one of the toughest. He was like a Scottish bulldog. I just would never tangle. He was one of the toughest people I've ever met. But the problem was, his word was never good. If he said he'd be there at eight, he might show up by nine. Uh, If he said he was gonna go out for a moment to the store and grab something and you say, can you bring me a Coke? He'd say yes, and he never would. There just came a point where after a while, I respected him because I didn't want to make him mad and have him blast me out of the sun. But you know, I really didn't respect him. I didn't really listen to him. In fact, I remember one time one of our coworkers came in and his girlfriend broke up with him or something like that. And he's talking about, and this guy comes over and he's trying to like play the counselor. And we're both kind of looking at him like, go away. He just had no credibility to his personality, no credibility with what he could say. The strength of God within a human being is not found in what we can get out of, but in how we can fulfill what we say. God wants our words to be strong. He wants to make you respected and honorable, and he wants to make your words powerful. And it begins by letting your yes be yes and your no be no. He desires our words to be faith-building. Jesus is going after oaths because it is a reflection of our credibility as Christians. If they can't trust in your word about the small things of earth, how are people really going to listen to you on the big things of heaven? If you've blown your credibility by being unreliable here in the here and now and in the simple things of life, how is anybody ever going to really take you seriously? When you begin to talk about things of God or things of love or things of life, they won't. They might appear to, but in the heart of hearts, we can recognize and sense when someone's word is reliable. And this is exactly what Jesus is going for. Proverbs 24, 26, one of my favorite verses for good reasons, is an honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. That's a good thing. 
Amen? When it's the right time. So point number one. I just got four points this morning. The first thing I want to say is, you sow what you speak. You sow what you speak. If your words are filled with truth and honesty and the power of God, you will sow that into the people around you. How many of you have ever followed a great leader, but you couldn't trust their word? Please don't raise your hand, because if you have, that's more a reflection of you than them. Great leaders, and by the way, all of us are called in some way to be a leader, be a leader in our family, to be a leader in our friendship groups, to be a leader on the job, to be a leader, uh, whether we're a foreman or whether we're, whatever it is, the, the, the capacity that God has called us to, he wants us to have a stature of leadership that we lead in the power of the word of God to our society, to our community. And so we sow, you sow what you speak. If your word isn't good, you're going to sow into others the damage of, of a word that was never good. For example, I used to work at Starbucks. And I had a manager who'd come in late all the time. He, he wasn't our leader. He was like our jokey person. You know, oh my goodness, we didn't meet our numbers this week. And he tried to make a joke. I mean, he, didn't not, he did not take the job seriously. And so what would happen? We would all show up late. We would all be slacking off. We would all be essentially performing to the level and standard that he established. And one day, he gets all mad at us. He's yelling at us. He's saying, we, you know, we need to do all these things. And I'm thinking in the back of my head, but you don't do this. You haven't set this bar. Your credibility is not there. What probably happened is somebody yelled at him, and now he's taking it out on us. He was sowing what he spoke. He said, my shift is at nine and I will be there at nine. And if he was there at nine, believe me, if my shift was at 10, the example set would have been be there at 10. Amen? Number two, you reap what you speak. God wants to bless your words so that they are powerful. So that when you speak, it's not just an ordinary person speaking. It is someone with credibility, someone filled with the power of God so that your words carry authority and respect. Have you met, ever met somebody in your life? They might not have been the leader of leaders. And they, might not have been an, they may have been whatever. But when they spoke, you listened. If you look in the discussion guide under the context, I talk about John Maxwell's book, The 21 Laws of Leadership. And in the fifth law, he calls it the law of E.F. Hutton. I have no clue who E.F. Hutton was. Apparently, he was quite a man back in the day. But I do know the line that was ascribed to him. And the line went like this. When E.F. Hutton speaks, everyone listens. Can you imagine if Christianity in the 21st century had that reputation? Does it? We can be honest, can't we? Why? The world has seen our hypocrisy and judged it for what it is. 
they're not always sure our yes is yes. They're not always sure our no is no. Some people walk into a church, try to get healed of their addictions or their abuses, and that church just throws the hammer at them. And then they go into another church, and that church loves them and accepts them and says we're on the journey of brokenness together. They're walking away from the experience saying the global witness of the church is not consistent. Where is the yes being yes and the no being no? Have we forgotten? Jesus Christ went to the cross to die for our sin that we may be healed and not judged, that we may be forgiven and not rejected. Amen? Amen. You reap what you speak. Number three, God or the devil can use your words. If you really look at the Greek and many of the translations, Matthew sticks something in there that has always concerned me. He says anything beyond this comes from the evil one. And of course, Jesus has the devil in mind. And that has always worried me because I, I want to be very conscious that I'm not some sucker for the devil. And he begins to use my words, whether it's through my anger, whether it's through my impatience, whether it's through my greed or through lust or through various things, that all of a sudden what's speaking out of me is not even no longer me and my purposes, but the devil and his purposes. Our words and our oaths particularly are something to be very careful about because the devil can use them. Now, of course, God can use them as well, and God does use them, and this is the point of Jesus' teaching. God wants to use your words powerfully. Therefore, my conclusion in point number four, to experience the honor, power, and respect God wants for you, speak faith, speak hope, speak love, speak blessing. Let your yes be yes and your no, no. Just do it, and people will hear not just you speaking, but they will hear God speaking through your words. You might say, well, Tom, where do I start? This is all great. You sound all convincing, but I've heard it all before. Where would I start if I have trouble with this? You start by speaking the Bible. Let me tell you something. I cannot guarantee that I can overcome every circumstance of this life that anything I say will exactly come to pass, but I can tell you one who can, and that is God. There is no circumstance, there is nothing that will overcome God where if God says it, it won't happen. So if God has said it in his word, we can confidently say it. You may say, well, what can we confidently say? We can start by who we are. God says, I am a child of the Most High. We can begin to declare that I am a child of the Most High. Let my yes be yes and my no be no. God says, let the weak say, I am strong. I can say, in Christ, I am strong. I'm letting my yes be yes and my no be no. God says, I am chosen by him. I am chosen by him before the foundations of the earth. Let my yes be yes and my no be no. God says, I will be with you. We can begin to speak the powerful truths of God found in the word. God says he will be with you. And if God said he will be with you, look me eye to eye and receive that truth. God will be with you. Nothing can overcome that. 
You and I can't overcome that. Nuclear bombs can't overcome that. God says, no weapon that's fashioned against me will prosper. We walk out those doors and we look at the world and say, no weapon that's fashioned against me will prosper because God is with us, in us, around us, filling us, above us, beneath us. God is bigger and overcomes the world. And because God said it, you can say it too. And I can assure you that God's yes is yes. God has said yes to you. And he has called us to say yes to others. Let them into your heart. Let them into your life. And let's show, let's show Bakersfield the power of the Christian life by letting our yes be yes and our no be no. That there is a confidence and a security Where's the next point after we start with the word of God? Hands down, it's this, folks. Being filled with the Holy Spirit. I know many Christians who do not want to be filled with the Holy Spirit or have spiritual experiences. There's a comfortable distance that we can sometimes like to have with God. The risk you're running with that comfortable distance is that God may not be in all of your words. God may not be in all of your actions. You may say, well, why would I even want that? Because when God is in your word and actions, people experience power, the power of God, the love of Christ, the truth. They experience something we're all hungry for, all desperate to receive. Years ago when I was attending a wedding, it was very odd, but the groom stood up and wanted to give a toast. And he got up and he said, Dad, I want you to stand. And his father stood up. He said, Dad, I want to lift my cup to you because when you said you'd be there, you were. If you said you were going to be there, you were. And I respect you more than any man I've ever met. And as I'm now getting married, I pledge to my wife, if I say I'm gonna be there, I will. And I'm saying to you tonight, sweetheart, I'm gonna be there for you. Because I learned that example from my father. A man whose yes was yes and whose no was no. When he spoke, his words carried great power because nobody doubted its truthfulness. I remember sitting in that room knowing this boy's father. In fact, I remember my first thought was, I never really thought much of the man. He always seemed kind of quiet, didn't really say anything unless it needed to be said. But never really given to anger or rage or, or greediness. Just a quiet man. And all of a sudden in that moment, he became like a hero to me. I realized 
I hungered for that more than anything myself. All of a sudden, as I looked at him, I thought, I want to sit down and talk to you. I want to hear how a person whose yes is yes and whose no is no speaks. How do they think? How do they act? What do they say when they do speak? A man who a moment before was nothing more than an afterthought became my hero and the celebrity I most wanted to be around. And to this day, as I look back on that, of all the people I've met, great and small, he will stand among the titans of my memory because his son looked at him and said, you always kept your word. And because you did that for me, I can do that for my wife. Stand together. Bowing your heads with me this morning. Jesus, you want to empower our words. God, you want to make our words powerful, not for our own glory's sake. But God, that we may experience your power through our words. God, some of us got to go home today and we got to dust off that Bible and start reminding ourselves of the promises, reminding you of what you said to us. God, some of us, we need a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit that our words may carry power, that our presence carries respect. God, the world is hungry and crying out for an answer, for power, for honesty, for truthfulness. Not for a world that's trying to get out of it, get out of its words, get out of its commitments, get out of its marriages, get out of its responsibilities. But for a man or a woman whose yes is yes, and whose no is no. If this morning you've been touched in your heart in any special way and and maybe you've just never really let God in, I invite you now to pray this with me in the quietness of your heart. You simply have to say, Lord Jesus, I repent of my mistakes, my wrongs and my sins. And right now, I invite you into my heart. My life and my words will never be the same as I yield to you. I now make you my God and thank you for saving me. I receive your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. For the rest of us, could we say this in our heart? Lord Jesus, I commit to letting my yes be yes and my no, no, because you want to say 
powerful things through me. So God, I pray, make my words powerful that I may experience the joy of powerful words, holy respect, and sincere love. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. Have a great week. Let God empower your words, and we'll see you next Sunday as we talk about loving our enemies.